Hey, if you like free stuff, you're going to like Tim's Rewards by Tim Hortons. You can earn free food or drinks after every seven purchases. Cool. How do I win? Um, it's not a contest. You just use your Tim's Rewards card. And after seven purchases, you score a free coffee, tea, or baked good. Whoa. So I've got a pretty good chance of winning. Well, actually, you've got a 100% chance of winning. Those are great odds. <laughs> they sure are. Free coffee and more with Tim's Rewards. It's Tim Hortons' way of saying thanks. Valid only at participating restaurants. Please visit restaurant or timhortons.com slash rewards for full program details. Right now, you can get both Sprint's Unlimited plan and the iPhone XR with its amazing camera included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after monthly credit supplied within two bills. If canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic after 63020, pay $32 a month per line with auto pay. Data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. And welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm Stephen Jodrant. Joining me as always, Jake Watroba and Armand Gafai. This week, we talk about Minnesota United FC and Augustin Rossi, Austin FC, and streaming paywalls in soccer. Please make sure you follow the show on Twitter, Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. Make sure you subscribe and leave us nothing but a five-star review. On today's episode, we welcome Peter Coates of GolasoArgentino.com. We discuss Augustin Rossi and other Argentinians linked with MLS. We also talk about the news we broke regarding Rossi's link with Minnesota and what it all means for MLS. Now, let's get to today's show. Fellas, how we doing? Well, I'm not throwing up like last week. So I'm doing great. Oh, there you go. Jake? Fantastic. I'm, I, uh, you know, I'm here. I'm alive. Uh, you know, we're breathing, so couldn't be better. There we go. January twentieth, freezing here in Wisconsin. It's like ten degrees Fahrenheit. It's not fun. Wow. I wish. I wish it was ten degrees uh, <laughs> here today. Uh, it's a well. Well, I guess it's nine. I guess we're close. Never mind. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're expecting it to be like negative I, nine. It feels. It feels so much colder. It yeah. feels so much colder. Well, the sun is shining here, but let's get to this story regarding Minnesota United and Augustin Rossi. And this is really intriguing, uh, Jake and Armand, because there are so many different layers to this stuff uh, and this story in particular. I am so confused by just the agent himself and why Rossi is linked with him. But regardless, the players to the story. Now, Augustin Rossi is a 23-year-old uh, goalkeeper that plays for Boca Junior, so obviously one of the biggest clubs in Argentina and one of the most well-known clubs in world football. He also played the first leg of the Boca River uh, Copa Libertadores final. He was on the bench for the second one. Uh, In 2017-2018, he played in uh, 36 games. He's conceded 28 goals, had 16 clean sheets. Now, Armand, are those good numbers? You're a numbers guy. 
those decent numbers there, 36 games. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're pretty solid. I mean, if you get the nod, especially in the first leg of a big continental final, I mean, those are that's pretty good, right? Like, those are those are pretty good. Then you have Minnesota United FC. Now, Jake, your team here conceded over the last two seasons 141 goals. So, uh, goalkeeping is a need. Uh, January 12th, MLS transfer. Alerts tweets out, Minnesota United FC will sign Boca Juniors goalkeeper Augustin Rossi on an 18-month loan. Minnesota will be able to purchase Rossi at the end of his loan. He was previously linked with FC Cincinnati. So, story develops there. Pioneer Press, two days later, talks about the interest. Uh, it's about an 18-month loan with an option to uh, buy for $12 million. Now, at, at, at the face of it, you would say there's not that much then you have these allegations of domestic abuse violence in which there are text messages from the ex uh, we're going to ask peter more about these allegations because it, it seems uh the details seem rather unclear but the text messages and pictures are damning uh rossi uh appears to be the culprit so you know it's just not a good picture it's not a good look and, and we know with the current hashtag me too and all the allegations around superstars within, you know, soccer, but also in the NFL, NBA, and so forth, that this is a real issue. So Augustin Rossi's agent, yeah. <laughs> Miguel Gonzalez Zelada. Now, Eli Hoffa, SB Nation, puts this together. So got to give him the credit here. But uh, so this agent has really interesting dealings. Uh, a Paraguayan article in 2012 details a lawsuit filed against this agent alleging that he took more of his share of the transfer fee. And this is something that's happened in, in soccer all around. So that, that's not necessarily anything new. But in 2013, he received a three-month ban from all soccer-related activities by FIFA. Reason for the punishment is unclear. 2015, FIFA handed... Uh, an eighth-month ban and approximately a 20 thousand dollar fine for violating terms of his previous band and that's not where it ends in 2018 there was an arrest warrant for this agent on fraud why rossi's you know has him as his agent uh, you got to be questioning his judgment there what are you talking about he seems like a real salt of the earth kind of guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds like a football agent for sure now then you got the supporters group jake yeah, so the Minnesota United supporters group, uh, Wander Wall, released a statement uh, earlier earlier this week, essentially urging the club to rethink the move, uh, a potential move, I should say, of Augustine Rossi. Their, their statement uh, went, Wander Wall stands for an inclusive, dynamic environment for fans to support Minnesota United FC. We're passionate about our support for the club that we love and the communities in which we operate. Recently, Minnesota United FC has been linked with Augustine Rossi, who has had domestic violence allegations levied against him by a former partner. We urge Minnesota United FC to reconsider this potential transfer as this behavior is unacceptable and is not welcome in our community. That is from uh, Wonderwall, the supporters group. That's that's kind of where we stand right now with this whole this whole mess. Well, that's where we stood yesterday and then today, Jake and Armand. 
we reported that Minnesota United has moved on from Rossi and is indeed looking for a goalkeeper elsewhere. So it kind of breaks off everything. The question, the real question begins is there's a report in Argentina saying MLS stepped in. Did the supporters group have an effect? Minnesota United, we've reached out to them for a, a quote. Their policy, uh, as reported by Jeff Reuter, that Minnesota United will only comment on signed players. So how much we're going to get out of them on on record will be something that will be interesting to follow because a lot of these clubs like to stay private. A lot of these clubs want to keep all the secrets in. So, uh, But let, let's get to today's guest. Joining us right now is Peter Coach. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at Glasso Argentino. He is the owner of GalassoArgentino.com. We actually had him on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about Argentinian football. This time we'll talk about some different things. But Peter, how's it going? Very well, thanks. And uh, thanks again for having me back on. Peter, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, one of the big talking points here up in Minnesota, that's where I'm based out of, is this potential loan of Boca Juniors goalkeeper Augustine Rossi to Minnesota United. Now, there's been some domestic violence allegations made against him over the past couple of years. Could you provide a little bit of uh, uh, background information or maybe give us some more details on kind of how these allegations came to be? Yeah, well, I mean, I think if, it's worth pointing out as well. That he, he, I don't, as far as I'm aware, he's never been charged with anything. Um, but certainly the... the what came into the press must have been at least a year ago now, quite a fair while ago, um, was that an ex-girlfriend posted pictures online um, of of bruising and, and sort of the, the obvious effects of a fight and had accused Augustine Rossi as the perpetrator. Um, I, I think he's sort of denied it, um, but it was obviously out there um, and... You know, from from the the news stories on it, it sounded as if the ex girlfriend had a, a pretty good um, claim. So that's that's more or less all we know for sure. Because as I said, as far as I'm aware, there wasn't any sort of um, legal sort of proceedings. I don't think Rossi was charged with anything. Um, and then since then, he's kind of gone on and over the past year, for for much of the last year, he was Bocker's number one. Um, so that's the situation, and then obviously since this move's come to light, and Minnesota's supporters groups have been made aware of the allegations, so they've obviously come out with quite a strong stance to say that they don't want someone like that at the club. So that's more or less all we know for sure. Yeah, Peter, I mean, here in America, there's been a lot evolving around domestic violence, sexual assault, obviously with the Me Too movement, but just in general with professional athletes and for a while, it seemed like soccer or football internationally had been quite quiet on the issue. And then you have the Cristiano Ronaldo thing come up. In in light of that, how did Argentina and how did Boca respond to these allegations? And for Rossi going forward, do you think this is going to impact wherever he moves, if it goes into Europe or if he moves to America or another league? Um, I mean, I w- it's sort of come out of the blue slightly because it's not like a new it's it's quite an old story here so it's kind of almost been blown over but Boca didn't seem to make too much 
um, of a deal of it at the time that I'm assuming they held some internal inquiry into it, but it didn't seem to really affect Rossi's position at the club. As I say, he still played a large part in 2018 um, and obviously right at the tail end of the year, he actually played in the first leg of the um, Copa Libertadores final, um, which was well after this this news story. So that didn't seem to have affected it. Boca certainly, um, as part of, as they've been negotiating this loan, have kind of come out quite publicly and sort of said that he's still considered their goalkeeper for the future. And I think um, this loan wasn't sort of Boca trying to get rid of him in any way or shipping him out. It seemed as if it was just a case of, look, we, we went out and signed a more experienced number one, but we still consider Rossi's quite an important part going forward. So um, the fact that we emerged because of this loan move in Argentina was was kind of out of the blue somewhat. So I, it's difficult to say whether that will, it will now um, be a factor in his career moving forward. I mean, if the move to Minnesota is off, I don't know whether that means uh, um, move on where or where. So it's a, it's a difficult situation. It'll be interesting to see if that is the case, what what could do with him now. Peter, I, I, I want to uh, talk about Rossi on the field. How good? How good is he? Uh, I mean, if Boca is saying, hey, he's our goalkeeper of the future, I mean, he has to be pretty good, right? Yeah, he, he is. And I think it, it's a bit unfortunate, really, because, um, you know, the first leg of the Copa Libertadores final, he was one of the people that, you know, even though he'd been under a huge amount of pressure um, leading up to that, the injuries that saw him then start the game. Um, he actually ended up being one of Boca's best players and people were coming out saying he, he was terrific and very unlucky then to be replaced by Andrade in, in, for the second leg once he had become fit again because there was obviously that delay for the second leg after all the problems. Um, so he is, a, he is a good goalkeeper. Um, and I think the, the problem is, to some extent was that at 23, um, there were still a, a few errors. And I, I just think once you've made a couple of errors for a club like Boca, if you're not... a real established name then it can be easy then under the spotlight for supporters to slightly get on your back and sort of say okay well we you know we've got a lot of money we've got great talents all over the pitch why do we have a guy who maybe isn't the best keeper in the league um and i think that's the situation that it became just a bit difficult for him to to be num considered number one but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a bad goalkeeper as i said he's only 23 which is, especially for a goalkeeper is very young um and has always been considered very highly when he came through um, first with Chacarita Juniors, um, moved to Estudiantes, where, again, he he was very promising, loan at Defensive Justicia, where he looked great. Um, and, you know, and he sort of looks at him then, at, you know, this is one of the top young goalkeepers in the, in the country, so he kind of really earned his move to Boca at that point um, in 2017. So he is a good goalkeeper, a good prospect. Um, and, he, and I think he would have been would be a good signing for an MLS club, put it that way. What would these moves mean for future Argentinian players? As you see, MLS is expanding. They're going after young, talented players. Obviously, Barco going to Atlanta United. But for the future of the sport in Argentina, is MLS viewed as a next step forward in a player's career? I mean, 
in all in honesty, it isn't yet at that point. I think it's seen as at it's seen as a possibility for certain players. I mean, it it varies between certain players. I think the Barkov situation was was out was sort of outstanding because that was a player who was playing at one of the biggest clubs in Argentina, had just been instrumental in them winning a major trophy and was expected to go to Europe. So that was a shock. But I think some of the other moves or someone like Rossi um, perhaps wouldn't wouldn't be someone who European clubs are clamouring for. So you'd say, OK, well, in that case, um, it's not a bad move. I mean, it's not, the key anyway with a lot of these young players is how often are they playing? They need to be playing football. So the argument which I often make online when when people bemoan the fact that an Argentinian young player is going to the MLS is that, well, look, you guys all want to see them go and play in Europe, but I'd rather see them go and play in MLS and play every week than go to Europe and sit on the bench or in the reserves somewhere. So I think depending on the player can still be a good option. And and certainly I think there's, there's other advantages to going to play in the US, which players, again, are sold on in terms of um, getting paid on time so the admin side of things uh, is, a, is a selling point because in Argentina and in South American football in general is a, it can be a mess in that regard um, so too um, just safety in general um, so the sort of quality of life and, and of course the money I mean getting paid in dollars usually a, a, a good amount of money um, in comparison to a weak peso in Argentina so that there are those other factors that play into players looking at MLS now as, as a as a real option um, and I think in a year or two that we get some examples of players that go to MLS and still end up in Europe after a couple of years then that becomes even more so that people will say oh hey look it's not even like the end of the road me admitting defeat by going to MLS is actually quite a valid stepping stone so I think these this this increase in young players going to MLS um, really could could open the doors over the next year or so. I wanted to actually just touch upon Barco, Peter. Um, I mean, the reports that, you know, Almarone isn't selling and Newcastle isn't biting on the offer uh, or on the asking price that Atlanta has. And that I, I think his agent said he had a couple offers from some teams who joined them in the summer. Is Has there been any talks that uh, Atlanta you know, might look to loan Barco to an Argentinian side uh, to open up room for uh, Pity Martinez to join the squad, to join the squad and then sell off Almiron in the summer and have Barco rejoin them in the summer. Has there been anything in Argentina about a team potentially approaching Atlanta saying, Hey, we'll take Barco on loan. The only move in that sense was a few weeks ago. And as far as I'm aware, Independiente they did, did inquire about the possibility of taking Barco back. Um, online, but from what I understand, Atlanta shot that down. So w- whether that's changed in the situation they find themselves in would remain to be seen. I would have thought if Independiente still hadn't signed anyone in that position, then he would still certainly be on their radar. Um, but I think the situation in, in general is interesting and sort of highlights um, the difficulties with working around the DP situation in MLS. And um, it could be sort of a lesson learned um, in terms of negotiating that, you know, with Pitti Martinez coming out straight away after the Libertadores final and, and confirming that the deal was done, he was going to Atlanta, suddenly it made the sale of Almiron a bit more complicated because teams like you mentioned, Newcastle or or whoever else in, in Europe who were looking for a, a cheaper deal would have been thinking, OK, well, 
it's a slightly different situation now because Atlanta have to sell. They can't keep um, three DPs and sign Pitti Martinez. So it became a bit of a standoff, I think. And Atlanta were like, well, hey, we're not budging on our price. But the other team's saying, well, but you have to at some point because you're going to lose him. So the Barco situation may come into it, um, whether or not, you know, that's realistic, whether they can do that, because I don't know if Argentinian clubs will be able to pay the same wages that he, that he gets in the US. Um, so it's a difficult one that's going to work out. I mean, certainly the signing of Martinez is a massive coup for, for Atlanta, but it, it has created a headache, I think, for them now, trying to sort out their DP positions for the coming season. Peter, last question before we let you go. I'm going to throw a couple names at you just to kind of uh, some names that have been linked uh, to MLS from Argentina. Names like Eric Adoy. I, I see he's been linked to a move to MLS. Now, there hasn't been a team mentioned uh, from the research I've done. Uh, there's also Ignacio Fernandez from River to LA Galaxy, possibly. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, What extra information can provide us uh, on, on those two names? Uh, should, will we see them playing in MLS come March or April? Uh, well, I mean, I don't have any information to say yes yes or no. I think um, Nacho Fernandez it, it would be someone who I think a lot of MLS clubs would look at, um, given his profile. He's at an age, I think, where, um, he, you know, he's, he's at a good age in terms of still with plenty to offer, um, but maybe at an age where European interest on the wane so you know I think that's a profile which is attractive to MLS clubs because you can get someone in that sort of mid mid to late 20s um, but still of real quality Um, and you know his versatility in midfield and and passing ability would make him an attractive option for an MLS club Um, and certainly uh, Guillermo Balascalotto knows knows Nacho Fernandez from their time at Gimnasia so um, you know I think that could be that could be one which has some legs. Uh, I hadn't been aware of Eric Godoy's um, interest from anyone, but you know he's he's a player that's moved around quite a lot. Um, still young, uh, fairly young, um, and is a good, versatile defender. Um, so again, he's he's someone who I could imagine fitting the profile for a lot of MLS clubs. Um, you know, he can play at fullback, can play centre back, um, but he's a, is a a good solid option in in Argentina Super League. So I think. Were, a, were an MLS team looking for someone to play in those positions, then Godoy would be a good option. And I don't think it'd cost a huge amount either. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. We just want to give you the opportunity to go ahead and plug uh, where we can find you on the Twitter machine, all the content that you write for, and anything else you would like to. Yeah, I mean, like like you mentioned before, yeah, Galasso Argentino is the Twitter um, and, and, the, and the site. So if you go to Twitter, you'll see any of the stuff that I'm doing, if there's like a podcast up or, or anything like that, it'll be, you'll be able to see it on Twitter. Um, and yeah, that's the only place really you need to you see anything I'm doing. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Peter. All right. No worries. All right, Jake and Armand, there's so many different ways we can continue with this, with this story. Now, Jake, you're obviously a Minnesota United supporter. You're up there in Minnesota. So the fact that the fan base has come out and said, we do not want Minnesota United linked uh, with this player, do not bring him whatsoever. 
you have to give some sort of credence to the fans for sticking up with some sort of principles because if you look at the NFL, uh, I think it was Sports Illustrated, talked about how Kareem Hunt is linked with a bunch of clubs now and Kansas City let him go after there's video of him, you know, beating a woman and the allegations of that. Right, right. I mean, and we can't definitively say if the the statement that was put out by the supporters group, if that was the ultimate deciding factor on Minnesota United saying, you know what, we're not going to we're not going to push forward with this. Uh, we're not going to negotiate with Bocas anymore about for, for a loan for Rossi. So uh, I guess I guess now as a Minnesota United fan, I guess now you hope that they can find somebody who is as good as Rossi to bring in and supplant Bobby Shuttleworth as the number one goalkeeper. What, what do you think this this report out of Argentina saying MLS ultimately killed the deal? What do you think this this means? Well, I don't, I don't know. Part of me kind of questions if there is something lost in translation there. I just think it's odd that the, that the league would step in and say, "No, don't you can't this player. We you can't sign this player when you know damn well in three years they're going to be doing backflips to sign Cristiano Ronaldo." But I mean, the the I mean the the league has done it before, right? They've like axed Tam and stuff deals for like salary based reasons. So I'm pretty sure the league just has the autonomy be like yo look we don't either we don't feel my thing is i don't think it was a leak i honestly don't think they even know this is happening like uh i think that the that these i guess allegations resurfacing is the right word um i think it came out of left field for the league um and I wait, wait, Minnesota... wait, 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 wait. We have to be fair. These allegations are not something that has happened in the last six months or a year. These is two years ago, right? It's two or years ago. There's a there's I can provide a link if any listener tweets at us that there's a story about these allegations that says twenty seventeen as the article date. Actually it was I think January thirtieth, so almost two years to the date. So the my question is if Minnesota knew these allegations were there, these are publicized. So either they were ignoring those or they did not do their research and homework on these accusations of the player so i was he 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 wasn't charged though right according to peter no and um the agent this was reported the agent's kind of crooked right well yeah yeah the the agent is a total crook but the agent is going to provide some sort of document to minnesota a couple days ago this was reported that Rossi does not have a criminal record in Argentina. This uh, TYC Sports of Argentina has obtained what appears to be some sort of document. So the agent will present this to Minnesota United in the hoping of restarting talks of of the move. Now this came uh, this it came out a couple of days ago by Eli Hoff of SB Nation, who has a long blog there, continuously updating. Uh, on the situation now it seems to be according to our source who is very close to the club uh that it seems like minnesota united has officially moved on so uh, i guess the real question is what decision made them move on was the supporters group letter a factor and ultimately don't think it's that big of a factor that the fans said anything because the clubs will do what the clubs will do i mean Look at the NFL. <laughs> Look at all the sign- signings they've made throughout history. Some real bad people have played professional football. So, and, and the fans have had mixed feelings about it. I I think Loki Minnesota dodged a bullet in terms of 
signing a keeper would probably be ridiculously expensive. Um, in terms of strictly roster moves, I if they need to improve the keeper position, I, I don't think this would be the right way to go about it, getting a keeper that, let's say you purchase him after the end of one, one year, he's over, the, he's over the TAM threshold. You can't buy him down with TAM and you're stuck with a DP keeper. But I think the one the only DP keeper we've seen in MLS is Tim Howard. And look, we, we <laughs> like, like, like I, have, I think we all know DP keepers aren't really the best way to use the use money. I think there's plenty of talented American keepers uh, out there that just just need you know like a Zach McMath. Like you can acquire a Zach McMath from a squad. I know he just got traded. I forgot where to be honest with you. Um, but if you acquire a guy like a, like a McMath, he doesn't t- cost an international spot and he won't cost you a DP or any target allocation money. I don't know. Just. Just my two cents. I think I dodged uh, a bullet just based on roster construction. Well, I mean, the they, they still have time to kind of bleep this up, though, because they we did uh, receive information that, that they still are looking for a goalkeeper, so I'd have to imagine that means... Dane St. Clair, to, come on, gonna, man! He'll, no, he'll be hanging out with uh, Steven and Madison this summer. <laughs> uh, I, I think they're going to go international still to find to fill that goalkeeper uh, spot. I hate it, because I think, spot. I think even... Portland just went international with the goalkeeper, and it's like, why? Like, it's a wasted. You went to the MLS spot. Cup. You went to MLS Cup, and it wasn't because your keeper was bad. You didn't lose MLS Cup because your keeper was bad. Like, I don't get it. If I was an MLS GM, I'd do like a hundred things different than half these guys. Well, there also, we go. Also, you want to hear a funny? You want to hear a funny story about Manny Lagos? Since we're talking about Minnesota United, because I don't know why, but I haven't said this to many people. It's been on my mind. Yeah, well, um, we're talking about Minnesota United. So do you remember that game where there was a massive rain delay? Actually, I don't know if y'all remember, but I think Jake might. Uh, it was a big rain delay in Dallas. They're playing at Dallas. The game started like at 9 p.m. I, I don't think know if so. you remember it. Yeah. So we were we were sitting there uh, in in the press box as you know journalists do, just you know writing stuff. And I, I forgot who it was, but someone made a really errant pass in the middle of the park. And uh, okay, it was a bad pass, Minnesota United. Ten seconds later. You just hear that someone slam a table, and we look. We're like, what, "What's going on?" Uh, it was, it, um, and on the field, nothing had happened. Like, oh wow, like, like something significant happened. Nothing really had happened. Well, we look, and it's coming from a technical director spot <laughs> in Minnesota. Uh, he did this throughout the whole match. Every like, it would be a bad pass, and then five seconds later, something would just smash. Like in in, in in the thing, <laughs> it was just like, why are you delaying yourself five days? We're watching, you're watching a live game. It's not like you're watching a stream. And like, it was just, it was just so bizarre. And he came out just looking like gas. Like, and I don't think Minnesota even played that bad to be honest with you. It was like a 2-0 loss. Like, I don't know, this is a funny story about Minnesota United from like the one interaction I've had with them. Well, there you go. Listeners, follow us on Twitter, UncSamSoccerPod, at Armanka5 for the latest FC Dallas. Follow us, UncSamSoccerPod, for news regarding U.S. soccer in general, at Jake Wotroba, at Steven Jodrand. Uh, yeah, come back tomorrow. We'll be talking about the latest official club of MLS. In fact, the most hated team in MLS, and they haven't even played. Austin FC. <laughs>
welcome to Uncle Sam's American Soccer Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you go back, listen to our first segment that we released yesterday. We spoke about the Augustine Rossi domestic violence allegations. Now, on today's episode, me, Steven, and Jake talk with Josh Babetsky as Austin FC was announced this week as MLS's 27th team. Now, let's get to the show. Joining us now on the show is Josh Pavetsky. He's been a guest on the show a couple of times. Josh, how are you doing over there in Austin? Doing well. Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me back on the program. I think this is my third cap. Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, third, right? Is this the guest we've had on most often now? Uh, we got to start tracking how many repeats we have. Yeah, we have to X out Josh. We got to find another awesome person. I can give you a plenty. I was just going to say how honored I was, but now I'm taking that back. Uh, <laughs> it's one way to look at it. Don't don't feel too too honored just yet. But uh, Josh, MLS 27th team introduced to MLS. You were there at the announcement party or event. How was it? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, for me, it was five years of, uh, you know, hard work and effort, like culminating in like, oh, now it's real. And it's like for real, for real, for real. Because, you know, we've been in months of like, well, we know it's going to happen, but it was always in this like quasi official state. Um, but to actually have the commissioner of MLS up there on stage and, you know, make, say the words, you know, the 27th team, um, you know, really was, was, was such a great feeling and it was such a great night and such a great event. Yeah, Josh, I mean, this was, I mean, it was, it's almost like, like you said, the five-year thing. It's like you finally, you finally crossed the finish line uh, of the, of this, the, the vision of bringing MLS to Austin. Uh, I guess one thing, one thing I want to know is what was it like sharing that big old bear hug with uh, Anthony Precourt and, <laughs> you know, uh, giving high fives to Don Garber. I saw that he was and, doing and Mayor that Adler. Don't forget Mayor Adler. Steve! Yeah, well, Steve! <laughs> Our, our mayor is great. We have a, we have a very we're fortunate to have a very uh, excellent uh, mayor, and he's very approachable, very com- You know, he's just got a he's great for remembering people. Like you know, you can be like one city hall fish, and he, like he just kind of remembers people. Like he's got that ability. Uh, so it's great to have them all come rolling down. And you know, I think for for um, Anthony Precourt, it was a, a big relief too. And he talked about that like in his comments of you know, kind of kind of the dudes. Dude's had an interesting, you know, past year year plus with all all the drama, you know, going on around, you know, bringing uh, Austin FC uh, into the world. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, I think it was good to just see a, a friendly face on the rope line. <laughs> I think, but um, I it caught me off guard. But you know, uh, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for us. I'm happy for Austin. Um, it was, you know, it's a great, exciting day. You know, we hug here. We're friendly people in Austin. We're, we're huggers. So. Well, I would say that about Texas in general, friendly state, right? Yeah. No, but Absolutely. Uh, Josh, maybe you could clarify this. What's the connection with a lawless and Austin FC? Obviously, uh, during the playoffs, he had the sticker on his computer and maybe Jake and Armand, you, you guys could touch on this. Uh, Alexi lawless talked and I find it fascinating how he, he's, rising up the ladder there in Austin as far as an important soccer figure? Um, I think he is, um, you know, mostly because I think he was, you know, one of the few, you guys fall into that group too, that was really willing to kind of tell the Austin side of the story. 
you know, while I get all the, the anger and animosity around, you know, the, the, the clarifying the, the situation at the front office level, you know, the, the soccer, the city itself and the supporters here, um, I think really weren't getting kind of that fair shake, that fair coverage. Uh, and I'm actually the one who gave Alexi that sticker at South by Southwest. Uh, and I talked to him a little bit about it uh, after the the announcement and the event. And basically what I had said to him is, you know, I really I thank you for coming and thank you for doing what you did, putting it on your sticker. I'm sure it was, you know, just you being a rabble rouser, I said. But it meant a lot to us as supporters here that there was somebody in the mainstream you know, media that was really calling to attention. There are fans here. There is support here. Uh, there are people that want soccer to, to happen here. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he took that. Uh, took that on and helped kind of give us equal time uh, in his own way uh, was was huge and, and, and a great opportunity. So we gave him a new sticker though too because we're like, okay, we're off that brand now. So if you want, to, if you can replace that, that would be great. So <laughs> the, 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 I guess uh, Josh, I want to ask you this. Uh, my my big take on the show, and Stephen and Armand can attest oh, to this. Is here we go. Stoke, <laughs> Stoke in the fire. I really hate MLS rivalries because I think they're just really kind of BS and just this forced thing that the league pushes on people like, oh, New York is red, New York is blue, uh, you know, that whole stupid thing. I, I, I think it's incredibly <laughs> fake, and I I think there maybe are – there's probably like one or two genuine, sort of genuine rivalries in MLS. However – I think now we do have a real rivalry in MLS, and I'm actually excited about it. With you and uh, uh, Columbus and uh, Austin, how excited are you to kind of have that rivalry, that kind of that natural hatred, I guess? At least I know on one side of the aisle there's that hatred, uh, judging by the the Twitter litmus test. I'm not sure if that's always a (laughs) a good gauge to use. But how excited are you to have like this natural-born rivalry where you have these sides that don't like each other and it – it should bring out passionate football once we or uh, once Austin FC uh, launches in 2021. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard a couple of the pundits kind of make that comparison, and I'm sure you know the media is going to try and make it a thing. Um, but by and large, we're already kind of put Columbus in a rearview mirror. Like we're just like you know we're looking we're looking more forward to going to Nashville and you know our interstate rivalry rivalry you know that I'm sure will you know happen with the Houston fans. Um, you know, I, I think by 2021, I don't know how many people outside the diehards are still even going to be thinking about it or even going to care. Um, you know, they will be an Eastern Conference team. We'll be a Western. So we'll only play each other once a year and it'll alternate probably between here and there. if They kind of keep to the same format they do now between Eastern and Western. So I'm like, I'm not sure. Like, I guarantee, like, I'm sure the league and I'm sure, you know, the press is going to try and make a, a ton of hoopla, especially around the first lineup. But you know, by and large, we're we're very quickly just putting Columbus in a rearview mirror because they're the only reason they were ever a factor is if they were moving, and now that's not happening. So, we, you know, they go back to being one of those also ran teams. Josh, but you know, I lived in Dallas. I get it. Dallas fans are are soft. Houston fans are soft. I mean, does Austin really yeah. have a rivalry between those two? Or no, with those I mean, two? But interstate. I mean, it's certainly an opportunity where you're going to see a lot more, you know, away visiting right. fans. I mean, people forget how big Texas is. I mean, even, you know, for Houston or Dallas, it's still a three plus hour drive to get here, uh, even if you're caravanning on a bus. So, uh, you know, I think that just will create some natural where there's going to be more people from Houston in town and more people from Austin will go to, you know, Dallas and Houston and probably Kansas City as well. Kansas City is a good traveling team. Uh, I just think like it'll create more of those things. Um, 
you know, I, I, you know, it'll, it remains to be seen. Like it'll be interesting. Maybe, maybe a big rivalry does stick, but I think it's going to be really hard to explain to an average soccer fan why uh, Austin, Texas playing Columbus, Ohio is a big deal. I, I, no, I mean, I'm being honest yeah. outside of the Twitter yeah. soccer bubble, like most fans that we have yet to do that are going to be recruited or casuals or, or not, you know, don't spend all their time on Reddit you know, are really going to be like, why do we care that we're playing Columbus this week? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, that's why I kind of paraphrase. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure if Twitter was a was was a good litmus test to determine if there's real hatred on on both sides of the aisle. There, I don't know. I I guess I just yeah. kind of looked at it and thought this might be an actual like legit rivalry where you just have maybe you know people on both sides that are there's a little bit of disdain for one another just because of how the last year went with, you know, save the crew and you guys, that, that whole right. thing. So I, I guess just looking and go natural connection. Maybe this is like, this, this might be actually be like a fun rivalry where, you know, they, the one time they play, it might feel like it's a, a big game and a big deal to the, to the fans instead of maybe like the first, know, few, you, maybe like yeah, the, the first, first I, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I think the first one will be just notable because, you know, it'll be bubbled up and people will be trying to explain it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think soccer Twitter is a really good, <laughs> for like any kind of mainstream i mean although judging by current soccer twitter like columbus is still having a really hard time letting it go um <laughs> but you know i think austin's mostly just like we got a team we're partying oh look there's still these guys trying to get into our thread um you know but otherwise i think we we by and large stopped caring yeah, steven let me ask you this yeah uh, because the more i've been reading the more i feel like the people who are against austin haven't really been to austin in terms of Austin as a MLS uh, market, um, I've been re- I've been reading like some things, and it's like, have you actually, you know, because Stephen, I the, like the more I've been thinking about it, I mean, the more I've visited Austin. I mean, I visited I was in Austin, I forgot when, man, a couple months ago, um, and I think it's like a, almost a natural fit for MLS to be there. I don't know about you, Stephen. Like, do you do you think so? I think just. Everything around it's the emerging city, mm-hmm. um, uh, and a lot of people are starting to move there as well for their jobs, which you kind of create like an Atlanta effect with some transplants who need something to get behind. What 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 do those Atlanta transplants get behind? They got behind Atlanta United. Uh, I'm confused why everyone's really skeptical that Austin can't be the same way. Well, Josh, well, I think you you can answer here in a moment about the specifics, but I think just in general, Austin fits the profile, and MLS has been linked with the city of Austin for a while. This is not something that has come up uh, just in the last two years pre-court saying, oh, let's just move to Austin. No, there's a specific reason why he saw Austin as a fit. Um, now, Josh, I mean, you can get into the specifics in what it means. And I also want to correct something. I think some of the media says is like, you know, Austin is the first professional franchise. No, Austin have the bold now uh, there and established before MLS Austin. So there'll be two soccer teams competing for the heart of Austin. I think that's, that's going to be an interesting development as uh, we proceed and the bold starting before uh, the MLS team. How's that going to, kind of divide the city i mean i mean steven i don't know i don't know if you've heard but the bowl were trying to like uh not like trying to disrupt austin fc from you know being a thing so i uh, i again josh can speak for us better but i know some austin fc fans are pissed uh at the bowl for trying to undermine uh, everything that's going on there so i mean that might affect their uh, support as well so yeah 
Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, guys. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think one, I think the, yeah, there were a couple of, the Stars and Stripes had an article and a couple others were like, you know, embrace the villain role of Austin. And anybody who's been to Austin, Austin is not a city anybody like loves to hate. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, it's, you know, it's, and I even tweeted something to the effect. I mean, good luck trying to like make, you know, create this manu. And it's funny for how many guys in soccer media, like hate manufactured rivalries and things like that. The fact they're trying to create manufactured villainy out of like a city people love to come to. I mean, I get that people hate certain cities, like people hate going to Chicago or people hate going to Paris. Um, but Austin is just not one of those cities outside of people who live in San Antonio where people just go, Oh, I hate going to Austin or I had a bad time in Austin or I never want to go to Austin. It just, it just doesn't happen. Every fan we talked to in other cities over the past you know, few years are like, Oh God, I hope you guys really get in the league. Cause I really want to come there for an away game. Like it, it creates yet another excuse like um, ACL fest or South by Southwest, you know, for a lot of people to come into Austin. So you know, I, I, it's interesting that they're, they're trying to make it stick. I don't think it's going to because Austin is just not one of those cities in your mind's eye where people like love to hate it. Um, you know, and we're welcoming here. Part of our supporter culture is like outside of the 90 minutes of the match, we want to make sure you've got great places to stay. You may want to make sure you hit the right barbecue joints. We will go out and have beers with, you know, visiting supporters. I think it's going to be really hard to like, you know, create this Dudley Do-Right, you know, versus, you know, some dastardly villain. Uh, mustache twirling thing. Although we do have a lot of those twirling mustaches here. We have hipsters, um, you know, and, and get that to stick. Um, so it'll, it'll be, see, you know, it'll be interesting, see, especially in two years when a lot of this is kind of subsided of, of whether any of that's um, still going to click um, on the, on the bold thing. Um, you know, first professional, like with an asterisk, like is USL really pro? I, you know, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, there's a lot of, in the soccer culture or the soccer fan base here, a lot of apathy or outright anger with what that organization's trying to do. First of all, they've had zero supporter outreach. Um, they've done no marketing or engagement. Um, they've, uh, they bankrolled all these petition drives trying to stop the MLS stadium. So that's further angered them. Plus you have an owner who essentially sat on a dead franchise for three years and kept it on ice. Uh, he could have, you know, uh, Bobby Epstein could have had a team on the field, you know, in 2016, 17 and 18, uh, out at Coda, but did not, uh, do that. So like all of a sudden for him, knowing that the MLS, uh, thing was finally going to light up, um, all of a sudden say, okay, well, I'm going to put the franchise back on the field. Well, the only reason he did that, because he was about to lose the rights to that franchise. And it's a lot more expensive to acquire a franchise from USL now than the one they have, because theirs goes back to the Aztecs days. Um, so it was essentially use it or lose it. So he had to put the team up, not knowing whether or not um, MLS was going to happen. And now it's actively trying to fund it, preventing, uh, preventing it, which is a lost cause. I mean, it's all, it's done. It's a done deal. I mean, Don Garber does not show up unless all the eyes are dotted, uh, and T's are crossed. Um, so now all effectively he's done is just angered the diehards, the influencers who might've, you know, encouraged, we would have all gone out. We've got two years. There's been nothing better to go out and, you know, support another local team, but um, they've done very little to earn any of that respect or any of that attendance. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, we've had a running gag. We've gotten to know the guys out at El Paso's new franchise and some of their supporters know some of our supporters. You know, we might go out to a bowl game and just sit in the other supporters section and do our cheers there. Uh, we don't know. 
uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but uh, I think it's, it's really unfortunate that somebody who has the means to have uh, helped grow the soccer community is using those powers to try and prevent soccer from growing. And ultimately it's not even about soccer. Uh, they have a concert venue out at circuit of the Americas uh, that is going to be, you know, basically supplanted by a, a 20,000 seat venue that's here in town with box seats you know, if you're a big act and you're coming to Austin, do you want to play in a 20,000 seat venue that's in Austin near our, all our arts and uh, shops, things like that, that has the expensive box seats you can sell? Or do you want to go out to Elroy, Texas, which is out past the airport, about a half hour out of, outside of town, where you're going to have to sell $14 lawn seats because that's about, you know, half of the, the ticketing availability? And, you know, I get, I get why as a business, they're not crazy about a stadium in town, but, you know, as a guy who's claiming to love soccer, he's really not doing a whole lot to uh, endear himself to the soccer populace of Austin, Texas. Now, let me, let me ask everybody this, uh, and, and Jake, I actually want to throw this up to you because pre-court, uh, Austin FC chairman and uh, CEO told the American statesman, we need to do this right. You have one chance at a first impression. You've got to build a business the right way for us to launch into our new state-of-the-art world-class soccer facility and have the training facility open as well for our players and coaches is really the smart way to do it. Um, I, 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 Based on these comments, I get the feeling that Precord is going to spend the money and he's going to assemble a squad to try to compete right off the bat. And basically saying is, look, I think this is kind of a sly at say at Minnesota United FC trying to do this, doing the the soft launch where it wasn't really something to make big splashes. I think he sees Atlanta as a model to go forward. Like, look, they really took over the city, and and, and it seems to now really have built a fantastic foundation to move forward. Now, Jake, how how's that make you feel as somebody who saw a soft launch? And you hear an owner who has been criticized by the crew fans, but now seems to really engage Austin in a different fashion. Uh, okay, I'm going to give you two two answers to your question. First being, you mean to tell me that a soft launch into trying to sign a goalkeeper accused of domestic violence is, is not a good way to go about business? Uh, uh, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, like, I, I genuinely believe like, you can't tell me and look at the landscape of MLS and go, yeah, the soft launch, that's the, that's a great way to go into it. Let's just, let's just wait for the stadium to open. And then we'll, you know, we'll just kind of ride out that honeymoon period and then we'll spend money. And hopefully that people will just stick around for it after we've been bad, you know, for two years or three years or whatever it may be. I think he will spend the money. Maybe not like, I don't want to say, you know, they're going to be like Atlanta where, you know, they're bringing in you know, young up and coming. Right players from Argentina and, you know, Colombia or, you know, we're at Paraguay or wherever. But I, I do think there's uh, I do think that, you know, that, yeah, I think as, as an expansion franchise or whatever Austin is at this point, I don't, I let you think Columbus is the expansion franchise, I guess. Um, but as, you know, as a new franchise, <clears throat> you should go out and spend and, and, and get people excited to see what, what, uh, what your new product is. I get why, I mean, let's, let's be, let's just call a spade a spade. Anthony Precourt, and you, I mean, you can say whatever you want. It's pretty clear and obvious. There, what he didn't want to be in Columbus. Okay, I, I don't think you you can be biased or you can be subjective in that matter. You, everyone knows he didn't want to be 
in in Columbus. He wanted to be in Austin. So I think now that he's in Austin, he's going to put his best foot forward and make sure that there is a a great product for people like Josh to to go, you know, see we 